Hey there, sweet peas. Welcome back to Friendless, the only show that tries to teach you how to be a better friend while I lose every friend I have. I'm your host, James Avermako, and this week I unfriend special guest Hank Pine. Hank is a musician, author, and all-around renaissance man, and it was an absolute treat to reconnect with him. We talk all about iterating on creative impulses, the hell that is editing, how many Robins Batman has had, and so much more. All this coming up, so for now, lean back, get comfy, set your volume at a reasonable level, and enjoy my interview with Hank Pine, here on Friendless. Um, so welcome to the show. The one, the only, he is a musician. He is a director. He is an illustrator. He is an, he is an icon. The one and only Hank Pine. How the fuck are you today? Thanks, James. Uh, I'm, I'm great. It's great to be here. Yeah. It's sunny. Awesome. It's sweaty. I'm in this tiny little room. It's like a Shirley Gnome's green screen room, basically. <laughs> so there's lots of lights and green screens. I love this it. is her multimedia love- presentation room. Well, and we were just talking just before hitting record that we're both on the mainland, and it is uh, stinker. It's a it's real hot today, and uh, these big these big heavy headphones are uh, are not great right now. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I do construction, so this is pretty cush compared to that. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. oh man, I sometimes I'll drive by. You know, the guys just like in the beating sun in all their work gear, and they're doing the construction, and I just like I feel such a surge of like empathy and sadness for them you know yeah it blows totally blows that Absolutely. being said i may t- take my shirt off at some point during this interview because it's Please. it's hot in here like i i actually really encourage that just even just for me i know this is an audio platform but for me <laughs> i'd i'd really appreciate it so you know <laughs> they'll they'll be able to hear that exactly exactly yeah, the shirt yeah. coming off yeah. <laughs> So to get things rolling for um, for listeners who may not be familiar with you and your work, um, I'll put this very bluntly. Uh, who the hell are you? Uh, I am Hank Pine. I am a self-identified queer renaissance man. Mm. Actually, I never call myself a renaissance man. Queer, yes. Renaissance <laughs> man, never. Are you I allowed to give never. yourself that title? You know, like Queer, yeah, you are. <laughs> no. <laughs> The renaissance. It's part. weird like, when other like, people give it to you. Let me tell you that. Right, right. Like you're it's allowed like, to. You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're not allowed, allowed to give it to that. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, renaissance man. No, no, I would never say that. I have a hard time <laughs> saying anything about myself. So let's see. I write a lot. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a book, mm-hmm. and I've written musicals and plays, and comic books. But I also am an illustrator, so I've drawn a lot of comic books over the years. For myself and for other people and i play music and i compose music for film and i recently have started directing stuff so i wrote and directed a tv pilot i've directed a couple of music videos and i love that that's kind of where all the things i like to do kind of together i do a lot of things poorly that's when people ask me what instruments i play because i yes. play a lot of them i say i play a lot of instruments very poorly because that sort of <laughs> takes away the ego from it yeah yeah and it's not that I'm bad, but I'm not like really good at any of them. I'm okay with that. Yeah, they serve a yeah. purpose. Yeah. Big time. Well, and that's a, kind of the beauty about, uh, I mean, that's it, the thing about that, that I think someone like you who has the capacity to, or the ability to play these instruments doesn't realize is that like, if you can't pick up um, uh, an instrument and play it 
um, anyone who can make a sound out of that same instrument is already like a god, <laughs> you know? Um, so like, I think it's okay to embody that a little bit more, take a little more validation out of that. That's true. Uh, I am self-taught, so I'm proud of that. Mm-hmm. So I taught myself how to play cello, how to play the piano, all these things that are you usually go to school for. Yeah. And so I play them weird. I play them with my own style, but it seems to work okay yeah, for yeah. what I need it to do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, on the topic of the music, um, where we kind of crossed paths initially was through Atomic Vaudeville. And um, I had never heard of you. You have a, I believe you still work with Lily now. Right? We have this, our, a... our first show in seven years in Vancouver is on Friday. Oh, so, shit. So we are doing a reunion show. We've done okay. weird, well, our sort of new rule since we moved to different cities is if it's really fun or if it's a shit ton of money, then we'll do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this one we're doing because it's really fun. Absolutely. And, and it's going to be on Friday at the Waldorf and it's Amazing. opening for, or it's for the CD release of Kitty and the Rooster, which is a Vancouver band, which is another two piece that wears costumes and writes hilarious songs that are very crass. So, you know, they really speak to me and Lily. So we're playing a show with them. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so what was the sort of like the genesis of this act of Hank and Lily? Like what, cause there's, you know, there's like, not only is there the performance and the music behind it, but there's like a lore and there's these characters and you wear costumes and it's all this whole world. Right. And so what was the sort of genesis of that and how did it come, come about? Well, Lily and I played music together. We backed up a musician from Victoria called David P. Smith and a band called the whelps. I played cello and she played musical saw and drums. And that was a weirdo band. But then I, moved away and I was drawing comic books sort of to go with my music. And I didn't want to draw my own face over and over and over. It just seemed too like, you know, so I gave myself this mask and goggles and sort of created a mythology around myself so that I could talk about things I want to talk about that were hard, but I could do it through this coded language and sort of humor and absurdity. And when I, uh, this is the long version or the short version. Give it to I me. Ended up... This is all I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I got blood poisoning. I ended up in a coma. And when I got out of the coma, oh. I was back in Victoria. And the first thing I thought was like, I should form a band with Lily. Yeah. And all of the weird shit that happened in the coma world became this comic book mythology that we sort of started to explore oh, the depths of. And Lily came fully formed. She had her Lily Fawn, part deer, part girl yeah. character already. You know, that's who she showed up as. So the comic became about me being from a world of technology and the evils of humanity and her being like an ambassador for nature and the struggle between the two of those opposing factors and sort of our music became a reflection of that. So there's this sort of like folky album concept albums and there's techno concept albums. Then we went into like hip hop stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, it uh, evolved and changed. Every album was a different concept and it had a comic book that went with it that explained where the concept came from mm-hmm. yeah i uh, i still have the uh i still have the the one that came with the the album was it uh was it called, was it called north america or or um the one i just know it's the one with lucifer on it i, and I still yeah that's north the, america the little, yeah, yeah and i still have the little comic and the uh it comes with all the songs and the note and the chords and stuff and mm-hmm. the i treasure that yeah yeah, they're out of print, so you should treasure it. 
Hey, <laughs> don't you, you don't you eBay that shit. <laughs> <laughs> now that I know, you know. <laughs> yeah, we are doing a, a reissue. We have a new album called Dusted that is going to come out, and it's a return to our punk rock roots, which mm. is something that we sort of came from the punk rock scene. Bands like Daddy's Hands in Victoria, a lot of the bands that became like the Montreal bands, Wolf Parade, all that stuff in the early 2000s. We grew up in the 90s in the punk rock scene, and that was the roots of our music. So this album is like a direct through line, kind of what we feel like is our core. Everything else, sort of all the other stuff, is stuff we explore. But where we came from is this sort of angry, goofy, loud music. Mm-hmm. So Dusted is going to be that on one half, and then the other half is going to be a best of retrospective. And then we're going to yeah. re-release the new comic with all the old issues together to tell the whole story. Gotcha. Sort of like, you know, a primer, if you will. Yeah. 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 A little catch up, you know? Yeah. Catch up. Cause it's been, we've been a band for 20 years, you know? Yeah. So that's crazy, but yeah. yeah. And we don't play together that much anymore, but we're still, sure. I still consider us a band. We never broke up. I'm like, thank right. you, Lily fun. <laughs> Sick of <your> bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, that sounded like it, her voice talking to me, so it should be like it was. It was you nailed it. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, is Lily back there? Is that? Yeah, one moment, please. I have to disrobe. You got it. Actually, do you, I'm gonna. I'm doing the same. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, it's getting so sexy in here right now. It's hard to even. Yeah, good thing the camera can't see this. I was literally like, I was like. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Hank to take his shirt off so that I can do the same because yeah. I'm like, I'm dying right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, listeners. Just imagine, imagine what, what mm. you can hear. Um, so there was, especially in the early stuff, there was this really deep connection to country music. And, the, and like, I, I've always been of the mind that country music gets a really bad rap of like, the sort of radio country, right? Everybody thinks it's just going mud and, and drinking Budweiser, right? Um, but there's this whole like culture uh, and deep, deep roots behind so much. Um, and there's been a bit of a resurgence recently uh, of of acts really reconnecting with that sort of like, I hesitate to use the word authentic culture, uh, authentic country, but like that sort of like, you know, tears in a whiskey type, type stuff, you know? And, and I'm wondering, um, was that like, was country a big part of your life or was that just something you were sort of experimenting with at the time and have since moved away from or, or where do you I mean, you my name is Hank Pine, right? It's a very country name. Big time. I big have time. a band with my family called the Pine family and we play country that moved into indie rock. We sort of flirted mm-hmm. with doo-wop a little bit. Uh, so it's something that my dad used to always sing Hank Williams to us. It was just sort of around for sure, which is why I rejected it. Yes, <laughs> at first course, it was like punk rock yeah. yes but then yeah. in victoria around that time there was this alt country thing mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. it was very strong so punk and country went together and that's something i could get behind and it didn't have a new country sound we basically the sources we went to were like wanda jackson and mm-hmm. hank williams and all of these old country stars so you know carolyn mark was a big influence on my my whole being and she is an alt country star so that sort of from her circle spread out this country movement and yeah it wasn't something that we embraced it was just sort of part of where we were at the time 
Yeah. And of course it came out in the iconography a lot. Yes. So I wore like a cowboy hat with a bite out of it and I had a metal cowboy shirt and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff was amazing. That That's how I sort of picture you when it, when the initial, you know, when I remember that's, that's how I just picture you is in that cowboy hat and that like that outfit you had, you know, especially yeah, we for call the, the trad, the trad outfits. Right. Okay. okay. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so, but you've kind of moved away in the, in the, in, in, you know, in the, in the years since you've really moved away, as you mentioned, you know, you've gone into so many different styles and I, I guess I, I'm wondering if you want to talk a little further about that, about like, how do you sort of, like do you sort of choose what your next like style is going to be or is it a bit more instinctual of just like i've been listening to this and vibing it so this is where my impulse is taking me or is it very a mindful choice of like we're going to do a techno album or a country album or whatever it was very much concept albums yeah, so we okay. started like three albums at the same time north america i was like we when Hank and Lily formed, we got taken up by a Belgian record label. So we only ever toured Europe for years. Gotcha. And we never got to tour our home land of U the US and Canada. So we were like, let's make an album for music festivals in North America. <laughs> so I wanted to make the concept of that one is sort of a Pixies acoustic album with a choir. <laughs> it's very yeah. niche. But that yeah. was like, this is what it is. It's Pixies music, only on acoustic instruments with a full choir. This is our concept. And the idea being that um, we could add some sweet kind of Kim Deal harmonies to everything. And we could tour around with a choir that we could assemble. If the parts were easy enough, we could assemble in every city. Mm -hmm. And we would get booked at festivals based upon this, like the stage show that we had. So we did a 1930s depression dust bowl era stage show where we covered everything in dust and we had these like um med it was like a traveling medicine show so lily made all these products and we had lots of accoutrement to make it look like a, a revival tent revival kind of experience yeah and so that was the high concept of yeah. that one and that was just because the first one was a little more uh just like the first two albums which were a double album we're very much about being high, I would say, and a psychedelic sure. experience. <laughs> so this was, we were trying to move it in a different direction. And at the same time, we had already been working on this techno album, but I put it aside. I was like, okay, we have these songs. We'll just put those aside. We'll do this now because we want to book shows. <laughs> yeah, and then right, as soon okay. as we had done those, toured that enough, we were like, okay, now we can do our techno album. So it's always been planned out. The order switched just because I was... Gotcha. Like the techno album should have come out, you know, right after the drug album. Right. But instead, <laughs> instead, we wanted to have, we wanted to go to festivals. That's what we wanted to do as a band. So sure. we focused on that. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about like when you're you're sort of thinking about the direction of your writing and stuff like that, this is something I'm I'm always like as a writer, I'm always really fascinated by sort of how other people. Um, sort of take the reins or take control of their creative impulses and their creative directions. And because um, I'm someone who is like, I'm very impulse driven. I'm very just like, most of the time when I'm writing, I'm barely planning what I'm going to write. I just let myself start writing and then I'm halfway through and I'm like, oh, this is what it's actually about. And then I adjust, you know, um, and so which is a great way to do it. It cuts out it? the sensor. Yeah. yeah. 
I would say. I mean, that that's the hope. That's that's always been part of the hope is that it's like if I just get out of my way, something will come out and maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't. Whatever. It'll be something. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm really curious about what your like, how, how do you sort of control those impulses and how do you direct yourself personally with your work? Well, I think that that is a very valuable exercise and I do it every morning. I have the 10 things that not every morning. Let's not be, <laughs> let's not get carried away. When, <laughs> when I have the time and the ability, yeah. I will write one through 10 on a piece of paper and I will write 10 things and I don't care what they are. They don't have to make sense. Sometimes they'll make me laugh. Sometimes they're not jokes at all. And it's a very valuable exercise. But when it comes to a project, I think I spent a lot of time <laughs> like thinking about what it is, conceptualizing it. And then I need the, you know, when you're bowling and they have those things on the gutters, what are they called? Yes. Gutter like rails? The bumpers? Yeah, 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 the yeah. bumpers. I yeah. need the bumpers. Yeah. Because I'm a little bit, uh, I don't want to say ADHD because I don't want to misdiagnose myself. Fair. But I'm, I like to impulsively jump around a lot and then nothing gets finished. Yeah. So I need those bumpers to apply myself. And it helps the writing to have some constraints sometimes. Big time. But when I wrote my novel, I very much was like, cracked my knuckles, leaned in and just started writing and had no plan. Mm. And I thought that was weird and kind of a dumb way to do it. But then I read this book by Stephen King called On Writing. And he's like, yeah, have a loose concept. And then just start writing and the characters will tell you what needs to happen next. And you'll just sort of follow along and it makes it more exciting for you because you're like, oh my God, I'm along for the ride. Yes. And I was like, yeah. That is how exactly how I did that. But I had written the book way before I read the Stephen King book, but it did vindicate me and make me feel like, oh, so I'm not crazy for doing it that way. That's actually a really fun way to do it. Yep. So I encourage people to do that, to just start writing and see what happens. I, I keep on meaning. I've been meaning to go back to that style because I when I first started like kind of testing the waters of writing, I, I, I read that I read on writing, you know, just at university. I was probably like 21, 22, something like that. And I was so inspired by it. It's an incredible book. I recommend it to everyone. Yeah, um, and I'm not like Mr. Stephen King fan, but sure, I, that book sure. is incredible. Yeah, um, yeah, just so valuable, the insights to it, right? And so like encouraging, which was what was so nice, you know? Well, what was very surprising was his reveal that his wife basically <laughs> worked the job so that he could be a writer. Yeah. I was like, oh, that big how do I become a writer? It's like, well, you can kind of marry someone that will pay the bills for a while or like, you yeah. know, that yeah. wake up call. I have Big yet time. to find that in my own life, but it's also like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is a, it is a valuable part of the creative process is having right? a sponsor or someone to keep you going. Yes. Well, and yeah. that's like, that's so funny. Uh, that's, uh, that spins me in a whole new direction that I'd rather talk about is that like, that's something I think about all the time where it's like, that is a bit of an archaic system right now because we're no longer able to live off of single incomes. Right. Yes. And so it's like, if we have the hope for any type of security, any type of continuity of life, you, a couple can't survive on one income, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so it's really, uh, you know, doing these, like, I don't know if I, I don't, I don't want to say it's an intentional. I, I think it's a, just like an incidental offshoot of just like capitalism spinning out of control um, that it's doing serious damage to like creative output and the ability to be creative because we don't have those, those, those flexibilities. 
Now, yeah, but that's the, what the robots are for, James. Well, okay. So that, that you know, I mean, also on the other hand, it's like if you're looking at it with a with a like a objective eye, like you're you're forcing someone else to work so that you can like just kind of lay around and think and play, right? So it's like it's not exactly a great system in the first place, right? No, no, it's I, I, that's why it's all very tongue in cheek. But yes. it is, it is, it was striking to hear Stephen mm-hmm. King pull the veil behind that part of his existence and he expresses his gratitude for it. And I think that that's, yeah, it's something to be grateful for. Let's just put it that way. Big time. Yeah. Um, um, For me finishing the book, I had a pandemic. (laughs) So I had the government give me CERB and I was like, Oh wow. I can feed myself. Well, no time like the present. Yeah. I also had a near death experience where I was in a car accident and I was incapable. Yeah. Yeah. Two. (laughs) And I was incapable of like talking to people. It took like Mm. therapy and stuff for me to become less agoraphobic over a period of a few weeks. So I was like, okay, well I can't just jerk off to porn like 24 hours a day. So what else am I going to do with my time? And so that's what I did. Yeah. (laughs) There's still 12 hours left in the day. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, so tell me a bit more about this novel. Um, this was another section I really wanted to ask about. Um, I mean, you've talked about the, the, the initial, like the drafting and the writing, but um, something else that I'm personally like fascinated with is, is the sort of like a book's journey from like conception, drafting into like editing and finally getting it published. Like what, yeah, was, editing what blows. was that like for you? Editing, yeah. editing, it blows. It's the worst. It's the hardest the part. It takes so long. World. Yes. Yeah. So I hired, I got four friends that are writers to read it and give me their, their feedback. And then I paid for a professional round of editing and then I got it back and there's still typos. And I was really like, what the hell? And the <laughs> editor was very, he said lots of nice things about the book. I was like, I don't need you to blow smoke up my ass. I need you to be merciless. Yeah. So you got to find an editor that works for you. I think. Could that book be edited more? Yes. Did it need to just, did I need to be done? Yes. Like, you know, there's a point where you have to just, yeah. knowing when it's done is, is a hard part for sure. But I'm always kind of a, like, get, let's get shit out the door person. <coughs> that being said, I have lots of unfinished projects, but I do like, I do like finishing things. And the thing that was holding me up with that book was I couldn't think of what to name it for longer than it took me to write the book. <laughs> so I almost included this, list at the back that's 200 different titles that I was bouncing around and I was asking my friend Lou I was like okay I'm thinking of calling it Panoramica and she was like I don't like it I'm like oh my god and she's like you know what maybe don't ask anyone don't you know you tried that route you're still you're 201 titles in just like stop asking people but then my dad said that he liked that name and I was like okay well dad likes it so there you go that's one vote if just one person. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they that's like right. It. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, I love the title. So, I mean, me I have too. I really, yet, I love the title. It sums up what the book's about. It's like I the, know. the idea of the character. It's the novels about playing with the notion of the omniscient observer. Hmm. So this, it's about a guy who dies, becomes part of the universe and then sees everything that's affecting his life on the day he died. So he has this panoramic view of everything, the entire universe and how it's all affecting his entire existence. Yeah. That's what the book's about. 
I love it. And and how did you go about finding a publisher? What was that experience like for you? I wanted to do someone in Victoria. I wanted it to be yeah. local. So I reached out to Tellwell, only to discover that they're based out of the Philippines, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> they have an address in Victoria, but that most of their stuff is overseas, it turns mm. out. Yeah. But you still made it work with them. That, that's yeah. still yeah. okay. Right on. Yeah. Oh, so. that's I mean, that's such a that's such a, a simple process. You always hear these horror stories, especially with first novels, where it's like the, we submitted it fifty times and every time rejected. Well, it's self published. It's like oh, I see, yeah. I so see. I paid the money. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. But, yeah, and I pay the money, and then they sort of like deal with all the, the digital distribution, yeah. etc. And now yeah, yeah. it is a print to order book. Gotcha. So okay. one day I hope it to be like Penguin or someone to yeah. to like reissue it. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. I really just want to write another one, but I'm not allowing myself to write another one until I talk about this one more. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because it did just come out very recently, right? Like mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta let it breathe a little bit, baby. You know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Um, the other the other kind of the other art element that I wanted to ask you about um, and we've we've brushed up on it already a little bit was you know your illustrations and your drawings um, now t- tell me the story a little bit because I, I got the impression you were doing all, like was it daily writing or was it like weekly or like what was the schedule you were on where you were doing your kind of like one panel drawings yeah I was doing those daily uh, mm. it's called verisimilitude and they were like crude stick figures they were just basically gags and jokes yeah and usually really um what's the word i don't want to call myself edgy <laughs> but they're borderline <laughs> offensive like okay. they're just pushing pushing you know yeah pushing boundaries not trying to offend anyone of course but just yeah. they're yeah i don't know how to describe them filthy i'll just say they're yeah. filthy yeah okay, okay so a lot of them were filthy and um because that's what makes me laugh and then yeah. i would do those once a day so there's a bunch of volumes of that and those were great because the drawings were just stick figures. So I didn't have to slave yeah. over it because I've been working as an illustrator for a while and doing mm-hmm. comic book illustration and doing the Hick and Lily comics on the side. So I had been working with other writers and sort of it would, they would take so long. Like I have lots mm-hmm. of comic book ideas now that I'm just like, when am I going to find the time to do that? Yeah. It takes a long time to draw a comic. Fuck so no. I've been working as a storyboard artist in film lately. Mm-hmm. So that's me drawing keeping my chops up and you know getting paid money for it but it's it's like comics are where it's at that's my that's my love yeah, <laughs> you know because it's you get to be a director and a writer and all those things all in one and it's you don't have to pay a film crew so so th- that's actually i mean i'm i'm with you 100 percent about comic books and it's it's something that i've talked about quite a bit in the past on the show and just with people in general is just like how liberating the potential of comics can be the the mm-hmm. only the only limit is someone's ability to draw it right um which which then becomes obviously um quite limiting if you can't draw right well but, uh, but there's there's ways to work around that like mm-hmm. some of my favorite comics are where the art is like i am an art whore and i'll go wherever the art is good so i'll mm-hmm. go into superhero stuff yeah. if i like the artist but there's a guy named matt kint that did one called Mind Management, and the art is crude at best, mm. but it is 
tells a compelling story about this like spy network and it doesn't freaking matter. So he does like a Hollywood story with these crude drawings and it really works. I love that. I love that. I, I just yeah. re I, I just read for the first time, actually, uh, Bone. Um, I'd never read it before and I'd always meant to get to it. And I actually heard a podcast talking about it. So I, I picked it up and um, I was really shocked by like how, I mean, it eventually, <clears throat> it eventually gets very detailed and very intricate, but like, especially at the start, it's, it's, not crude but it's very simple right you know and all the characters mm-hmm. are very cartoony clean, right yeah, yeah yeah and that was really inspiring that was a really nice you know change of pace right um but yeah no i think comic books are fucking magic and i i wish i wish more people read them so that i could talk about them more you know? yeah for sure <laughs> i was gonna my plan was always to have a podcast called i know too much about batman based on <laughs> based on conversations i've had with with people like my friends really downstairs and my friend carolyn mark where Carolyn was like, so he's like part bat? Like he's bit by a bat, right? I'm like, no, he just <laughs> kind of dresses kind of like yeah. a bat. And then I was explaining Batman's origin to Shirley about how the... Um... <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. <laughs> my boyfriend's calling me. <laughs> that's um, staying in <laughs> so yeah the story of batman's origin is he's staring out a window and then the window's open and then a bat flies in and he's like that's it a bat that's you know the comic yeah. book origin of him yeah. and so then <laughs> shirley's like well, what if like a seagull flew in like you know i was like yeah then he'd be seagull man he'd be seagull man yeah, yeah. although it uh, although wasn't it rooted in that he was he remembered that he was scared of them as a kid that was, was sort of like, a movie edition uh, okay, where they okay. needed to give more of a reason than a window was open, right? which is fair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, oh, all the things that could have come through that window, hey? Jeez. Yeah, right? A moth, Mothman. <laughs> Mothman. Yeah. Oh, well, already taken, though, at this point. That's true. Know, but, right? That's true. <laughs> uh, do you want me to what ask are... you a question now? Yeah, I was about to say let's let's change this up. I've got I've got more like broad esoteric questions from here, so I want to I want to change things up and get you to ask a question. Well, these are sort of along the lines of what we had just been talking about, so that's Beautiful. why I'm curious. I asked you some comic book questions here. Yes, I have two that aren't comic book questions, and some that are. So let's go with this one. Taking into account the prevalent worldwide state of superhero fatigue, mm. who is your favorite superhero and why? Uh, <laughs> I have the most dickhead answer for that. Um, <laughs> uh, my eternal, always favorite superhero is always going to be just after death of death of Superman, Superboy. Um, the like the leather jacket, the Jerry curl, the bad attitude, the tactile telekinesis. Um, I just like he. I'm sorry. Can is... we review tactile telekinesis? So he, he touches <laughs> something, he can move it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It okay. was his like it was it was his one unique trait out because he was a clone and yes. for some reason he got other powers as well and that was his big thing. And I remember as a kid reading that and just thinking I was so smart for like reading those words and just being like, yeah, I'm nine years old and I know what tactile telekinesis is, right? Yeah. Um, I mean it. 
sparked my curiosity the second you said it. i was like i need to know more about this right so yeah and um just his like his perfect beautiful like undercut like 90s dreamboat hair like i just mm-hmm. just everything about him is perfect and i will i will always fight anybody who wants to poo poo that character because they're wrong and he <laughs> is he's perfect so um i'm still waiting for my superboy movie to be yeah. done right you know <laughs> Yeah, that's a hard wait. Um, so he is a clone. <laughs> He's a clone from Lex Luthor's DNA and Superman's DNA. Is yes. that correct? Yeah. And is yeah. he in this era? Is he Connor Kent? He eventually gets that name. He like so when they when they first introduced him because they did the thing where like um, Superman's killed and then there's this like it's called the Reign of Superman and so mm-hmm. it's Superboy, the Cyborg Super Superman, the Eradicator, and then Steel. Um, and they each took over one of the respective super Superman books while he was supposedly dead. And, um, yeah. And Superboy's origin was that he had been created as a backup clone. Um, but they couldn't, if I'm remembering right, they like, either they couldn't finish the, the, like the genome sequence, or it was just that like Luther, like, you know, was crafty. And so like decided like, you know, if 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 Superman's gonna be in there, I'm gonna be in there too, right? Also, because like secretly, Lex Luthor just wants to kiss Superman so bad. Like, let's just yeah, they be... were sh- he was shipping them hard. With yes, creating exactly. a clone of their two DNA together. Literally, right? <laughs> he's like, and now we're kissing, and it's perfect, right? You know. Um, so yeah, um, eventually they fleshed him out. They 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 made him lose the leather jacket, and he wore like a a bad boy t-shirt for a while just like a black t-shirt and mm-hmm. that's when they made him have a like a, a earth name right so they he he was gonna you know he was con l in the same as superman's kal-el and then mm-hmm. uh yeah and then they made it connor connor and clark right um sometimes he's his son in like some because they've done all these like reboots and stuff right and those are exhausting, no the right? dc continuity is is a lot and i've Nightmare. i keep up i try and keep up yeah and it's still yeah, there was this whole the new fifty two dark times and stuff yeah. like that, where it was hard to really keep up with what that DC was, the part, was doing. That was when I got. That's when it lost me because I was like, "No, I'm good. I just I do not have time for this." <laughs> no, know? yeah, and so they've backtracked from that several times. Yeah. <laughs> so now, and but now currently there is a Jonathan Kent. That's right. Now he's got an but actual son, but he's not Superboy. No, he is Jonathan Kent Superman. Yeah, for some reason, and then I don't know what where what happened to little Connor. Last yeah. I had checked in, he died in the I want to say it was Infinite Crisis. It would have been mm-hmm. like mid two thousands. He got killed. Um, they probably brought him back at some point between now and then. Um, but I haven't I haven't kept up on it in the interim, yeah. So, I, but you I, know your era that you love and exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean so that like, is. Yeah, that is a great answer. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a Batman. Well, I'm a Batman guy for sure. Yeah, okay. Uh, just, you know, he's a dick or whatever, but there's, there's something about the mythology that I can get behind. Mm. Like, I like that he doesn't have powers. He's just mm. rich and, you know, Good he's determined. And when he's done right, I really like it, but he's, he is it's you know a lot of times the personification of that character is strange yes. so they Did have to sort of figure the, him um, out 
did you enjoy the scott snyder stuff that he did just it was like just prior to the new 52 yeah um, i remember like yeah, there was like the year zero and stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that yeah, stuff was, that was really cool. interesting yeah yeah but then scott it got snyder, wiped out. yeah <laughs> scott snyder did sort of like go and explore different crazy things like all of this dark metal sort of stuff which i encourage him to you know mix it up but i didn't really follow along it was pretty heavy-handed but my question about is batman related my next one yeah how many robins from batman can you name and who is your favorite okay so dick grayson and then jason todd and then tim drake and then damian wayne and then there's um oh shit what is her name from dark knight returns you're doing uh, really good. Carrie, Carrie something. I, th- I was going to say Cassie, but I think Carrie is right. <laughs> oh, Carrie. It's Car- I think it's Carrie. Carrie something. And then it's I Carrie. know that they did, I think they made the spoiler into Robin at one point, but then she died. Yes. Or maybe it was, okay. Uh, she and had then, like a couple issues. Yeah. And then they ki- her like dad killed her or something like that. Because yeah. he's like a mobster. Stephanie Brown. Stephanie Brown. Thank you. Yeah. And then I want to say there's probably been a new one, but I've lost I've lost track since there. I mean, those are all the ones I know. So right. I'm, hey. I'm full mast right now. Okay, yes. <laughs> nailed it. Um, and my, I think my guy. You know what? I, I have a tie because um, so my all time favorite Batman is always going to be uh, like Batman sixty six, um, like Burt Ward, Adam West. That Batman is just it's so perfect, and I love it so much. Um, and it's why I'll I'll defend Batman and Robin to an extent because mm-hmm. it was just Batman sixty six with a budget, you know. Um, but so I really love Burt Ward Robin, but I but that's I I realize it's kind of sidebar because it's not comics. Um, I always really no, liked that's Tim fair. Drake. Um, in terms of comic comics, I liked Tim Drake a lot because he was he he was Robin when I was a kid. So yeah, he was, was our like, he was our era exactly for sure. Yeah. yeah. So like I grew up with like Tim Drake. And sort of just you had to like them, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. what you got. Yeah. But there <laughs> was, yeah. And they've tried to make him more likable and find his little place, but he very mm-hmm. often gets like pushed aside. Yeah. And so I always kind of go for the underdog, of course. Big so, time. Yeah. So they need to, I think Tim needs a little work. They need to do something with him. That's well, they're always trying to do that thing. I, I, I'll still see like little snippets here or there. And they're always trying to do this thing where they'll be like, you know, Dick went off to do his own thing and Jason was angry, but Tim was always the detective one. And and mm-hmm. I'm like, you're, you're, I know you're trying to give him some flowers, but like, come on, like, he's just, he's not that great, but yeah. know, like, I love him, you know, I love him. Right? <laughs> totally. He, that's what I'm saying. He needs a, like a little more of a personality trait than the detective. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's like people who try to lead into that part of Batman where it's like, absolutely, that is an element of his character. But it's not like nobody's like, yeah, I can't wait to read this detective book. It's like, I mean, I I do love that. It's a nice element. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, I just don't think it's the like front and center selling point of the the book. You know, no, I think it was at one point in Mm. detective comics. And then now it's like, right. Yeah, it's more about him punching. Punching yeah. comics. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's a traumatized man punching, you know, yeah. <laughs> four people, right? But <laughs> Good old-fashioned punching comics. Yeah. <laughs> Less detective work. That's the one. That's what I like yeah. to see. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, should I ask you another question? 
I, you know, yes, let's do, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, because, yeah, I, I've got my, like, I've got my big, big friend questions, but I like this. We're on a roll, so I want to, and I love okay. these questions. I'll talk comics all day, so, you know. <laughs> well, I sort of, am, my next two questions are not comic book related. Oh, okay, so, okay. Put that muscle, this is your question, muscle, okay. mosquito, or moth, and why? I'm not sure I fully understand the question. You have to pick one to be muscle. for the rest of your life. <laughs> like a muscle muscle, like a clam muscle. Yeah. Oh, man. Muscle, mosquito, or moth? Yeah. I'm going to say moth. Um, I knew you were. It's the easiest one. It's the easiest right? choice. <laughs> yeah. I think because I, Right? Yeah. I don't Heart like cell. being in the ocean. I don't want to be in the ocean. I think you don't mosquito, like being in the ocean. No, I know. I live beside the ocean, and I don't like being in it. It's 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 a it's an illness. I know. Is it because <laughs> it's scary or why? Yes. Let's... Yeah, I'm terrified of what I can't see. Right, and so when I'm like on the water and I don't know what's like what could be nipping at my feet. No, thank you. You know. I get that. It's scary. Yeah. It's big. It's so big. You it's know? very big, and there's <laughs> whales. Yes. <laughs> have you seen a whale? Jesus I have. Christ. They wouldn't even they wouldn't even notice you if they ate you. They wouldn't even realize it. They'd just be like, hmm, you know, well, like I mean, a whale, they did they don't eat people. They have they're bailing well, the big ones, but it's true. It's true. So what helped me, James, was I was a surfer in Tofino for four years and oh. you just like I I worked at the bug zoo for many years because mm -hmm. I was terrified of bugs. And then I started surfing because I was terrified of the ocean. Yeah. And the whole exposure therapy idea. Big it does time. work. I did get over it. I am not as afraid of bugs as I used to be. So mm. oh, I love yeah. that. I need to get in the ocean more. I I realize that. I I I I'm actually like feeling very inspired by that. That's a really cool like. That's a really cool thing you did it's, for yourself, right? Yeah. But if something scares you, you should try it. Mm -hmm. You know, and lean maybe into it. lean into it. Mm -hmm. My I always had a prof back in the day at, at UVic. He used to always say, "Run to the roar," which was like, you know, if something's scaring you, then you're in the right direction. You know, like like well, don't endanger yourself, but you know, it's 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 okay to be a little a little risky, right? Well, it reminds I use that rule for art all the time. Mm -hmm. I remember me and Lily were doing our first hip hop show at a giant festival in front of thousands of people, and I was like, I'm gonna vomit. I'm going to like mom's spaghetti <laughs> everywhere. This is, we can't do this. Yep. And then my friend Wes Borg was like, yeah, but if you're not scared, you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, that totally just changed my whole mind frame on. I was like, oh yeah, you have to do what terrifies you. So mm -hmm. when I was doing stand up, I would talk about the things that made me the most uncomfortable. Yeah. Which was really hard. Big time. It was really, my voice would get all weird and like <laughs> I would yeah. have to sort of breathe through it. Yep. But that's where the comedy gold is. And when I'm writing songs, I'm like, what is bothering me the most? What is the most uncomfortable thing I can talk about? Mm -hmm. That's how what I should write a song about. So my last song, Summer Goth, was about like antidepressants. Because that's mm -hmm. something that I was like, people don't talk about this. Everyone's on them. Yeah. But they're not like openly discussing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you'll talk about it once in a while with your friends, but even with your friends, they like slip it in once in a while. It's like, oh yeah, I'm on effects or whatever. But they don't no want to actually get into it, you know? Yeah. yeah, they don't want to get into it. Or so I found that very strange that it's not a common thing, and also the realization that almost my entire family is on antidepressants <laughs> and has been for years. I was like, 
weird that we don't tell each other this. This is just yeah. something that happens. Yeah. So I was wrestling with that last summer. And so the song is kind of about that. It's about dealing with with the notion of should I take this pill? Is it going to change everything? Is it going to make it better for me? Yeah. Oh, I love that. And that's going to be on the new album that's coming out? Or? It is, yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, the album's called Summer Goth based upon that song. Gotcha. So it's okay. about, yeah, being bummed in the summertime. <laughs> I love it. I love it. it. It's interesting, actually. I I just picked up uh, Seth Rogen's book, your book, uh, mm-hmm. the other day. And in the very first chapter, he talks about a similar thing that you're saying, which is about like um, his, his first stand-up coach was talking about like, Nobody wants to hear about what makes you happy. Nobody wants to hear about like what you're comfortable with that you, you have to talk about the stuff that makes you angry or makes you sad or, or like something that evokes an uncomfortable emotion in order to actually figure out what you think about it. And, and in order to, to evoke something out of, you know, the person watching you. Right. Um, Cause that's where real, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to say that's where real art is. I'm, I'm always hesitant to use terms like that, but it's like, but that is where, more authentic expression i think lives is by indulging in the discomfort rather than the, than the comfort of it all or it's that transmutation that alchemy that comes mm-hmm. from taking that and turning it into pure joy yes. that's what we're going for i was yeah. just doing this with shirley till 3 a.m last night we were going through her concept album and we're talking about she's writing this uh faux kids album where it's very kind of like trying to talk to children about what they should know and her whole thing is like uh, I don't want to have kids because I would have to explain all the horrible things in the world to them and then follow that with, and I'm the reason you're here. Like <laughs> that no, responsibility yeah, is no choice. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. Here's some more horrible things for me to explain to you. And that's a fucked up mm-hmm. situation to be in, which yeah. is all parents. All parents have that situation. Yep. So yeah. Finding the humor in mm-hmm. explaining the horrible things. Mm-hmm. was is the challenge but that's yeah. what that's that's why they pay us the big bucks <laughs> <laughs> so on that actually on that kind of note you know you've already been kind of expressing what could be in 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 a certain light called advice about sort of creativity and, and these kinds of things but i'm really curious about um because you're someone who I've observed, you know, have this, you know, you were in a, you've been in a band for 20 years, you've had this longevity of creativity, and you've, and you've um, continually challenged yourself, and you've continued pushed yourself to be creative and not rest and, you know, and so I guess I'm curious if you have any like sort of cogent advice that you would give to somebody who was trying to um, kind of kickstart their creative processes, especially in say, like, the, you know, in the music um, fields, or, or in, in other fields that you have experience with collaboration mm. that's i think being held accountable um i always like what keeps me doing it is encouraging other people to do it also mm. so i'm thinking about starting a songwriting course where it's helping people write their song people who don't normally write songs to write a song so that is inspiring to me seeing other people partake and, and unlock their own creativity yeah, and so collaboration is good for holding you accountable to doing it, mm-hmm. and for inspiring you. I think doing stuff in the void is hard. Like writing that book in the void is hard. It's lonely. Yeah, it's exactly. weird. Yep. <laughs> and a lot of what I do is lonely and weird. You know, mm-hmm. writing songs can be lonely and weird. Mm-hmm. So getting together with people and playing them—that's where it's at. 
that's where you actually like breathe life into it and you feel you get the feedback loop going performing you get that feedback that's yeah. sort of what keeps you going i'd say hmm. so so yeah get out there and and interact with people creatively hmm. that's not a word but you know what i mean yeah, no, I love it. And it's like, it's really, once again, you're like really making my brain like spiderweb out because it's just like, that's such a beautiful, you know, you know, when you hear those certain sort of thoughts or, or, you know, advice or, or just things like that, where it's so simple and yet it's like so massive and it's so like, cause that feels hard, but it doesn't have to be right. And it, and it will fundamentally change everything. If you just like, work with someone if you just like talk to someone right just these simple things that feel massive and and aren't but will have massive you know echoes right for sure i think that is the most helpful advice i can give because you can it can be a lot to be creating in your room and i know a lot of people that are like making songs on the computer and then that's it they're just making songs on the computer they'll post them on soundcloud or whatever but that's about it but as when I encourage these people to come, I have a jam space downtown and I'll bring these like electronic musicians and I'll put, we have four of them in a room, <laughs> all with their bleep bloops. And they like, they blossomed in that environment and they were energized by it. And since then they've been way more productive because it was affirming to them that they're good. What they're making is good. And it inspired them by hearing sounds they wouldn't normally hear. Like it was really good to uh, force those bleep bloop people together <laughs> um um so so this is one of the, those sort of like this is one of the kind of like you know tentpole questions of the show um the entire podcast is really an exploration of like what it what it means to be a friend and how do how do we connect and how do we live in in connection and these kinds of things and and so i guess what I'd like to put to you is, is it, again, one of those simple questions that can be massive is what does it mean to you to be a friend? I think you have to be generous with your time. So you don't want to help your friend move that fucking thing, but you just fucking, you do it. You know, <laughs> I also, I bought a minivan. So now I'm like everyone's best friend. <laughs> when it comes to moving shit. <laughs> Yeah, which makes you really popular. So get a minivan or a truck and then automatic friends, basically. Uh, so I think sense of humor, um, you need to have someone you can be vulnerable with. And that is very valuable. There's a lot of friends that I've had where there isn't that. Mm. Like I'm thinking, yeah, just a lot of my straight dude friends, straight bros. We just are very not that. And that's fine, but it sort of keeps us at this distance. Mm -hmm. I think that vulnerability is, uh, is, and generosity with your time. You don't have to be generous with money or anything else, but just time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Life is busy for everybody and everyone pretends that their life is the busiest and they couldn't possibly, but if you're just like there. Yeah. And then you'll make that time, right? Like, cause it's, you know, yeah, no, I'm with you hundred percent. I, oh God, I can't stand people who want to tell me how busy they are. I'm like, who the fuck isn't, <laughs> you uh -huh. know, you're living in 2023. Who the fuck isn't busy right now? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, for, like for the listeners, what's one actionable thing that they could do this week to try and be a better friend to, to someone else in their life? 
Yeah, help someone do a simple task. Mm. People are not inclined to ask for help that often. But like running errands, that's I love I love helping people run errands. I think that's one of the greatest things you can do as a friend. So just like go with them to do something because I I used to be really bad where I was like I couldn't go to the supermarket by myself. I couldn't do any of these things by myself. But then I moved into the woods in Tofino and I was like only by myself. So I had to confront that. Yeah. (laughs) Confront that never being alone thing. And so I think that if you can help someone with some sort of menial task, Mm -hmm. that's my advice because that is invaluable. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be this amazing fun time. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Hank, uh, uh, those are those are all my questions. I only have one thing left that I have to do for the show, but um, which is unfriend me. <laughs> which is unfriend you. I got to pull up your Facebook here, but you know, before I do, I just I really want to make sure. I just I really want to vocalize just like how incredible I think you are, and like you know, I I recognize that we're not you know I wouldn't call us close friends, you know, but like. Well, oh, we years. are now. We're getting oh, we closer are... every, every every moment. We're basically Literally. we're basically what's this uh, OnlyFans chatting right now? Literally, it's going to say who's both... paying whom here, right? You yeah, know? we're both shirtless. Uh, yeah, no one's paying anyone. That's the best kind of OnlyFans. Free subscription, <laughs> baby. Only freeze. Uh, but like, yeah. I just you know, I just I think you know, through the years, I've always thought so fondly of you, and I've always had such a deep respect for your art that you put in the world, and just like I said, just your continued creativity. And I just I think you're an amazing guy, and I'm um, I feel really lucky to have have been in your orbit at different parts in our lives, you know. So I just want to say thank you very much for everything that you're always doing. That's very sweet, James. Okay, we got we got one last thing to do. I'm pulling up your Facebook. Here we go, Hank Pine. We are no longer Facebook friends. So what about on Messenger? Wait, oh, yeah, you can still reach me. It's no problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, this literally means nothing. Like <laughs> we, we, we follow each other on Instagram. We can still message each other. It means nothing. It is purely ceremonial. So it's, it's yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, yeah. Um, where can... You've, you've talked about your projects, but where can... Um, Listeners find you if they want to give you a follow. Yeah. So I'm on Spotify as Hank Pine for my music. I am on Instagram as Hunkotron. H-U-N-K-O-T-R-O-N. Hunkotron. For comic book art and links to my book and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Beautiful. That seems... And I mean, I'm on all the other ones, TikTok and those things. But that's that seems like the easiest one. That's the big focus. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate this. My pleasure. And that's it. Thanks once again to Hank for coming on the show. I have such a big crush on him. Hoo-hoo, boy. <laughs> Is that okay to say out loud? Well, it's done, so grow up. (laughs) If you like the show, please be sure to give it a five-star review wherever you listened. Reviews are so helpful to building awareness of Friendless, and they're free. And if you want more Friendless content, open up the show notes and follow the link to sign up for the monthly Substack. You're going to get recommendations for books, music, movies, podcasts, and all kinds of other stuff to distract you from the festering hellscape that is modern reality. 
You're also going to get new writing prompts with every newsletter to try out for yourself, along with some thoughtful tips on how to be a better friend to yourself and your community. I have to say, I'm really proud of the work I've been putting out lately. I do my absolute best to not send out something that's going to just waste anyone's time. So I make sure to pack the newsletter with nothing but goodness. I think you're going to love it. If you haven't signed up yet, the links, like I said, are in the show notes. So do it. Do it. (laughs) But that's it for me. So let's wrap this puppy up. Thank you so much for listening through to the end. I will be back next week with a brand new episode that I think you're going to love. And I hope you'll join me then. But I'm not going to worry about that now. And neither should you. Why? Because that is then. And this is now. So for now, I'll just say I love you. And I wish you well. Fun and safety, sweeties. <laughs>